Today's episode is brought to you by the Vegas Beer Guys. Everything sequel contains explicit language. And why the fudge not, you melon farmer? Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Harry Potter Edition. Woohoo! My name is Michael Schantz. I am the happy guy from the How Dare You Awards. The sad sack who doesn't want to be here is Tom Stewart from Lonesome Whistle Productions. Say hi, Tom. Hello, I'm going to be your defense of the dark arts teacher for this franchise. <laughs> Tell you, the defense of the dark art teachers in this series are like girlfriends in Karate Kids movies. There's a different one every time. <laughs> the job's cursed, Tom. The job is cursed. It seems like it. I, I love the fact that I don't, I mean, there's so many of these movies. I don't remember which which ones I'm talking about. But at one point, <laughs> they even, they, they give the job to someone else, even though the person who did the job before was another person in disguise. Like Brendan Gleeson's character mm-hmm. did the job for a whole movie as someone in disguise. Yeah. And then when, and then they kept him on but not as a defensive dark arts teacher. They moved him to another job. I'm like... No, he he didn't have a job. He didn't work at the school after that. He didn't? He just helped Harry. No. I'm sure he did. Get I'm sure they gave... shit together. Ugh, whatever. You're wrong already. So... Just like you are about this entire series. If you haven't guessed yet, folks, I love Harry Potter. Tom is a self-confessed hater. No, I'm a Harry Potter. Do I have skeptic. that right? No, I'm a I'm a, okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's that okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna Leo gets this. Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. I was just gonna say you're Leo gets it all over the place here. <laughs> Only sequel references. Only sequel references. <laughs> um uh, there the story behind us doing this these movies is as long convoluted and ultimately as unsatisfying as the story told in these films. Okay. How Dare you. Listen, listen Not to Not about our story, which you're probably completely right about, <laughs> but you're totally r- wrong about Harry Potter itself. Here we go. I want to be a wizard, Tom. I will not be judged. Okay. No, you, you, well, you'll, let, let, let's the audience hear the facts of how this happened, okay? This is, <laughs> this is, this is, uh, behind the music, everything sequel, okay? <laughs> um, so... Mike and I are messaging. Mike suggests that we do more recent franchises because we were stuck in the 70s to 90s time vortex that we seemingly couldn't get out of. <laughs> and I was like, that's a great idea. And you recommended a Harry Potter movies, which is a great idea. And I responded saying, I don't know if we can do that because I'm prejudiced against these movies. I tend to automatically dislike anything related to Harry Potter, which in retrospect was entirely the wrong response because it was like a red rag to a bull. And Mike said, well, now we're definitely doing it. 
<laughs> because now I have the added satisfaction of seeing you suffer and watching movies that I like. Yeah. I should have been totally nonchalant about it and you would have backed off. So... I, saw I would that not have. Free. I saw that they, at the time they were free on what I said, What I said at the time was, well, now we absolutely have to do it. Yeah. And I, I, I saw that they were free on HBO Max, and I thought, okay, I'll bite. Let's do this. I sat, I kid you not, I sat down, opened up my notes, wrote down the title of the first movie, Chamber of Secrets, was about to start watching it on HBO Max, Turns out that even though at the time this was a brand new streaming platform, they used the Harry Potter movies as a bait and switch and like showed that they were on the platform and then they immediately took them off. So they were gone by the time I sat down to watch them. Um, and that's why I sent Mike a message saying, um, you know, this really disingenuously apologetic like message. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't plan this, but it's just not available. They say they won't be on Peacock for months. There's no way I can afford, you know, doing all these eight movies. And he's, I had it covered. <laughs> Mike's like, I have them on Blu-ray. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> fuck. I thought I figured this out. So, and then I have to meet up with Mike to to get the Blu-ray, which. You know, I don't know when anyone's listening to this, but we're in the time of COVID. Meeting up outside your bubble is not an easy thing to do. Heard. Um, at the at the moment, so we had to. You know, we we arranged to go to lunch, uh, sit outdoors at a, like a gastro pub. Um, we were nearly got to ex- worry about sauces because we're sharing appetizers and shit. Right, and you I'll know, pour some sauce on my plate. We, no nearly get ex- we nearly get exposed to COVID by a man who takes his mask off to That's come right. over to us and ask us a question about surfing. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, I've already I'm already risking my life to get these movies. So and this is not even where this we're not even halfway through this story. I get I get home. <laughs> I'm like I'm like okay. I'm gonna sit down and watch these on Blu-ray now. My Blu-ray player stops working. Like, literally, as soon as I put in the Blu-ray, it stops working. I'm like, okay, it's a piece of shit. Has Your been prejudice against these movies reaches far enough that it can break your own equipment. It's like dark... Ma- I'm using dark magic to, to prevent me from seeing these movies. Um, so, you know, I, I order, an, order a new Blu-ray player. That's fine. It needs a replacing. Sit down to watch it. The HDMI cable breaks in the new Blu-ray player. This all happened. This is all factual, listeners. I'm like, okay, so I ordered... I'm, I'm starting to hear some new shit. I didn't know about this. Yeah, this is... I, I know. So I had to get another HDMI cable. This, this is why... I started watching these movies about six months ago. HDMI cable, sat down, oh. finally watched it through, but... Those are the lengths uh, I had to go to. And, you know, this is the longest movie series we've done to date in terms of the number of movies. But I'm sure after finishing watching them all, you would now like to thank me. And <laughs> let's hold that thought. And um, and also in terms of how long the movies are individually, they're way longer than what we normally do as well. So. True. But, you know, I, I, we when we did Tremors, we talked about how, you know, expectation versus reality. I was really 
I felt really put out by having to do Tremors before I actually saw the movies. Uh-huh. While I'm not won over in the way that I'm sure Mike is hoping that I am. I I, oh, I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> I I do have good things to say about some of these movies. And I'm grateful for having seen at least a third of them. All right. It's the most I could hope for. I mean, and and to put it I in do con- think it's strange that you're British and you have this aversion to Harry Potter though. Well, that I mean it's the, like that was it's like other- having an aversion to oppressing a people from another land. Well, that's I, who you are as a person, as a Brit. <laughs> well, that was part of the part of the story that I didn't mention that that you know, while we were having lunch, you asked me it, you know, is it because is it one of those things that British people don't like and only people outside Britain like? And no. I said back to Mike, I said, "What you mean, like Phil Collins?" And that was news to you. you went, <laughs> I had never British heard people that don't before. like Phil Collins. <laughs> I, I edited that bit out of the story because I thought that that's that's even too convoluted for this story to go down that tangent. <laughs> but it's not. It uh, and and my response at the time, and I'll repeat it now for for the listeners' benefit, is that I think. When, when fantasy comes preloaded with so much mythology that it's impossible to understand without it, I have like you know I just blow a fuse, and I, I just can't take it. Uh, and I've talked about this before in the podcast. I talked about like Rise of Skywalker and its aggressive mythologizing, uh-huh. and I mean, and I'm going into this. Let's not forget we don't watch the original. I still haven't seen the original. I haven't read any of the books. I'm going into Chamber of Secrets cold. Wow. And it is a distressingly isolating experience to spend the first 30 minutes of that movie going, what the fuck is anyone talking about? <laughs> this, we'll talk about it when we get to the movie, but at one point Alan Rickman says, you were seen by seven muggles. Do you realize how serious that is? And out loud, I said, I don't even know what that means. How can I know how serious it is? <laughs> how could you be, how could you live in our world and not even, you know, I get that you're removed from the Potter universe, <laughs> but you never even heard the word muggle? It's so funny because there is, there's a deleted scene from one of the later seasons of Veep where um, the, the guy, the tall guy who yeah. is, I only know is not Paul Shear. I don't know his actual name. He's I, because I, every time I see him, I'm like, how can this man not be Paul Shear? But he's not. <laughs> he's he's like he's crowdsourcing a line about muggles to the to the crew and the writers who are who are seemingly there. And he's like, so wait, what kind of a wizard is a muggle? And they just launch on him. <laughs> you have not seen vitriol like that from human <laughs> beings before. And he's like, the muggles are not the wizards, they're the people, and the wizards don't like the muggles. And it's just like, and he just, you see, he goes, okay, 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 I can ask the question. <laughs> now, look, I'm a fan of a few different franchises with some pretty, you know, intense mythologies. But, you know, someone, if someone get, you know, someone quotes me the wrong race of alien in Star Trek or Star Wars, I don't, I don't react like that. Harry Potter fans are touchy. 
And I don't, I, I don't want to incur their ire. I mean, I have a feeling, I have a feeling that ship sailed You're gonna. From, from the first, the first ten minutes of this preliminary podcast. But they are touchy people. This has happened to me in real life as well, where I've asked, "What the fuck are you talking about?" And the looks I get for not knowing these things. I mean, the British part is probably, you know, I'm a, I'm a British man who wears glasses. Um, so people assume that like, so they, yeah, they have it. They, they've, they, they've made an assumption it, about, you well, yeah, they assume true. it comes to me through osmosis, but I, yeah. you know, I've conspicuously avoided it throughout my life. Yeah. I'd say I'm not really into fantasy and, and the wizard part of fantasy is probably what turns me off the most. But when that comes preloaded with, you know, a backstory that you need, what, like five movies to unpack? <laughs> That's what Fantastic Beasts is, right? It's telling us the things that we needed to know to understand Harry Potter in the first place. Am I, is that is that correct? No, not really. Okay. <laughs> uh, you know, but to just to spin this in a positive way. This series contains a movie that is directed by one of my favorite yeah. modern day directors. And um, I was... And it's fucking great. So I am a better person for having seen it because, you know, because it is a movie directed by that person that I hadn't seen. All right. And, you know, I I am interested in a few of the other directors of this franchise and what they do with it um enough that this was a this was overall a borderline good experience it's again it's the most i could have hoped for but we we're gonna have to talk about whether we count the last two movies as one movie or not i count them as two okay that's what. Uh, th- Good. That was, I, I, no. Okay. I'm glad we're. That was my thought process yeah. in the ranking. I do think we need to talk about multi-part movies and why they can never work. But, um, <laughs> I, well, I, we can I, talk I, about it when we get there. Yeah, but I just wanted to make sure that we weren't ranking it as one movie. Yeah. Because I definitely enjoy one more than I enjoy the other. Me too. Good. Let's get to it. <laughs> I want to know your <laughs> ranking, Tom. Okay. As a person who'd never seen these movies before, yeah. How do you, what's the what's your top Harry Potter movie? Uh no, you know, no surprise, it's The Prisoner of Azkaban 3. All right. You want me to keep going? Now, do you want me to tell you mine or do you want to continue? Um, you know, let's the, just just doing the numbers is not going to make any sense to anyone, so let's let's do let's alternate. My top movie is The Prisoner of Azkaban as well. I mean, you'd have to be brain damaged not to think that. I think so, too. <laughs> it is by far and away the best in the series. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron is probably the greatest director of my lifetime. Um, hey, heavy so, praise. Um, it would be strange if this weren't the best movie in the series, given that yeah. he's up against Mike Newell. <laughs> You don't have to disparage Mike Newell like that. Come on. <laughs> Four weddings and a funeral, right? Uh, that, yeah, I mean, 
He did direct that. That is true. <laughs> so you have less, you have fewer good things to say about that? I have two good things to say about that movie. I mean, how about Donnie Brasco? He directed Donnie Brasco. You That's can't... the thing every, everyone always says, yeah. It's the th- it's the exception that proves. I don't, I don't dislike my I don't dislike Mike Noel at all. But anyway, let's let's just carry on. All right, what's your second favorite movie in the series? <sighs> this was this was tough. I went back and forth. The next think... like four movies are are really hard for me. Uh, the next four movies are you know the rest of it isn't as hard. This was these two spots were really hard for me. In the end, I... Um, what do you mean, the two spots? Two and three? Two and or... three were really hard. Okay. Two and three in the ranking were really hard for me to figure out. Um, lot of back Three and, and four forth. were hard for me. Okay, interesting. Um, but in the end, I'm going to... I'm going to... Um, I'm going to revert to my love for an, for an old... Everything sequel favorite and give Chris Columbus's The Chamber of Secrets number two spot. Wow. Yeah, I know. And that is not the way I felt when I first saw it. Poor oh, no. It irritated the <laughs> fuck out of me when I first saw it. And then I saw everything else. And I realized Chris Columbus was onto something. Well, and that's the thing. So. It was. <laughs> Chris Columbus is a far more cookie cutter director quite and literally. i know you haven't huh quite literally yeah his approach to fantasy and visual effects uh, i'll say this now but we'll talk about it endlessly when we talk about chamber secrets his entire approach is what i call the russian doll approach it's just s- b- small things coming out of bigger things the whole mm-hmm. movie is that it's a little thing that comes out of a bigger thing. Even the Chamber okay. of Secrets itself works on that principle. That is all that happens in the movie. Right. But despite that, I actually think he's onto something about how to how to do and you know, he's he he's behind Gremlins, so obviously he knows how to do this. It's to take something that seems family friendly, but when you sit down and think about it, it's got as much um, Was he involved in Gremlins? Didn't he write Gremlins? Oh, I, I'm not sure I knew that. I, he's definitely involved in some capacity in, in Gremlins. Oh, I think so. He's the one who's trying to reboot it now. Um, okay. But, like, he, he, you know, this is, it's like the perfect, not the perfect blend, but a very, very adept blend of family-friendly fare with an adult horror movie. And that's what I learned to like about it, but I did not like it upon initial That's interesting. Viewing. Yeah, because the thing about Chris Columbus, though, for the first movie, too, those two movies really amp up sort of the the fantasy you built in your head Hmm. if you'd read the books, which you haven't done. But I never will. But but now I don't have to. But he builds a world that you that kind of matches what you imagine in your in your head, oh. and that's why I, I appreciate it. And um, all of this to say, by the way, is that I have I'm just really surprised that that number two, Chamber of Secrets, is that high on your list. 
So because that's something I thought we'd fight about. It is not the second movie on my list. The second movie on my list is The Deathly Hollows Part 1. What is your problem? I love that movie. That is my nightmare movie. <laughs> You're fucking wrong. This the this French the only thing that kept me going through this franchise was its supporting cast. And the idea behind Deathly Hollows Part 1 is we don't see any of them. We just see the kids who can't act. <laughs> see, I'll, I'll disagree with you there, too. I think they grow as actors. I think they get better as actors. They have to. They have nowhere to go but up. <laughs> what I also like, I like, so I'm attracted to that movie for the opposite reasons. I like that that movie's more intimate than all the other movies because it's so focused on them. I like the bits where other actors are playing those characters because they do a better job than the uh, actual actors. Fuck you. Fuck and you. And I like the fact that Nick Cave's Oh Children, which is from one of my favorite albums, is on the soundtrack. I probably don't like anything else about it. How dare you? How, How dare f- you, sir? And and it and it and it and it is and it's part of a, you know, it's it's a multi-part which fundamentally doesn't work. And this is the weakest of the two. No. Really. It's the strongest of the two. There's actual development of character in that movie. Their relationships. I love it. But I do have Chamber of Secrets third. Okay. Well, my next so, one. Yeah. What, for me, one of the reasons, you know, and part of this too is your experience upon viewing it, which yours, of course, is much different than mine. But I, I'll say, you know, it was one of those movies I was so looking forward to. I went with Dan Ager from the Vegas Beer Guys to a midnight showing of the yeah. Chamber of Secrets, which is like a task because that movie is like two hours and 40 fucking minutes long. Um, I believe you. But also the thing for that movie, I felt like how much I would like or dislike that movie would hinge on how well the basilisk uh, looked at the end of the movie, and I thought it looked fucking great. Hmm. I I just, I think... Plus, it's the last movie with Richard Harris as Dumbledore. That is, that is uh, there's something, although I have nothing but good things to say about Michael Gambon. Yeah, and it's um, not to say that I hate Michael Gambon, but, no, he does but Richard job. Harris is just pure magic as Dumbledore, and that raises that movie for me. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, the, these movies are playing with so many of my prejudices, and, and one of them is about the kinds of movies that are supposed to be fun, but actually aren't. Because they take themselves too seriously. Mm. And so, retrospectively, the Chamber of Secrets goes up a couple of positions for me. Because I remember it being fun, and I don't remember having fun about the... In any, any of the three movies that are at the bottom of the list. Well... I feel like, it, you know, like... This, I mean, this is... It's like... It's in a period in cinema history where franchises want to be serious and they want to be seen to being serious and often that was to the detriment of entertainment 
Uh, and I thought that there should be a minimum of entertainment that these movies provide. Uh, and this one, I was so so, you know, if and you know, Prisoner of Azkaban has the balance just right. Yeah, unsurprisingly, I'll agree with that. yeah, unsurprisingly, the director of Children of Men and Gravity knows what he's fucking doing. Yeah. Big surprise. But um, I thought this one, you know, I was like, when I sat down and thought about it, and thought about. My, you know, my feelings about Chris Columbus, and I've been rewatching the the Home Alone, Home Alone. movies with with my son. I'm like, tech, you know, he it's like tonally his movies work. Yeah. Uh, and that's not an easy thing. God, God knows we've talked about that before. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. Um. This is, and this is actually a really good example of of that because if you look just at what is in the movie in terms of content. It's so, it's so much a horror movie. Mm. All right, well, we got to save it for for the podcasts. You are going to tell me your third favorite. The Order of the Phoenix. Oh, you're a fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, you might not be as big an idiot as I think because you haven't read the books, and so, but that movie's... Do, do, do Potterhead? What, what do you call yourselves? Who like Potter Potterheads? I'm a Pitters. fucking wizard. Wizards? No, I'm a wizard. Oh. What do you call yourself? I'm a member of the House of Gryffindor. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. I never. <laughs> but yeah, I guess to, it's Potterheads. I never bothered to learn those distinctions, and you know what? I didn't need to. <laughs> <laughs> fucking. One fuck. of them was blonde. The other was. Um. Yeah, and uh, that was actually going to be num uh, until yesterday. That was number two on my list. Can you believe that? Okay, um, so here's the thing. Like I'm, I said that the like it kind of like reminds me of Die Hard. Like movies. Let's see, two, three, four. Yeah, spots two, three, four, and five for me are are really razor thin. Mm. So. So even though I'm I'm going to bat for Deathly Hollows Part One at number two, the other, the next three movies could easily be in that spot. Okay, and is one of those Order of the Phoenix? Yeah. Okay. So I'm, why does that make me an idiot then? A part part of the reason why I say here's a big thing. Part of the reason why it's so high is because in in abstract I like what David Yates does. Mm-hmm. But it wears thin very, very quickly for me. And so yeah. this is where I see it's like fresh eyes on a very tired formula at this point. But what he does with it becomes so conventional by the end of the franchise. I like this the most because it's st- it feels fresher because it is. Like he mar the way that he his to me his big project is like let's make this as contemporary seeming as possible, let's have as many of these ancient magical things in the modern world as we know it, yeah, in modern day London as possible. So I like the fact that that he was coming in hot with that, but you know, every movie after that it's like he's they've got to fly around a London you know a London landmark or. 
it's just I, I don't need to see it again. Uh, I, I, okay, I'll agree with that. Um, so I, I sense that there was like someone who had a fresh new perspective on this well-worn formula in the same way that Alfonso Cuarón did, and this was where it worked best. Well, because for after me, this, I have he the has same, no new ideas. I have the same problem with Order of the Phoenix that I do with Goblet of Fire, which is those are the two biggest books that weren't separated into two movies. And you can feel the weight of those two movies, like just sort of stuffed to the gills. I think it behooves an adaptation to to turn it into one if it's one. Wait, say it, it again? I think it behooves an adaptation to just edit, get it down to one film. Oh, to one of, film, yeah. I, I, I just. All right, I don't we, think we, we got to move on. Where, where, where are we? But we both have got our first three, right? I'm Azkaban, Deathly Hollows Part One, Chamber of Secrets. Okay. And you were Azkaban, Azkaban, Chamber of Secrets, Chamber of Secrets, Order of the Phoenix, right? Right. right. What's your fourth? Half Blood Prince. Hey, me too. Okay. And that was the big surprise for me. I hadn't se- <laughs> that's the one that's the one movie in the series I'd seen the least. You're not going to like the reasons why I like it, I don't think. Well, go ahead. Just because it it rem- the f- the first hour of it reminds me of like a Bond movie. <laughs> God damn it. So I had something What doesn't? What doesn't? I know, I know. I I I I get that, um, but just the way it began with you know he pulls Harry aside, he puts him on a mission to spy on someone. Uh, I felt the movie was somewhat conscious of that because it 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 definitely brought in the 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 espionage element stronger than it had ever been there before. So I mm-hmm. feel like that they were kind of using that Bond mission formula is a little bit of a coat hanger but i just i just that whole first section of the movie with the with the ministry and the way that that's designed and made to look kind of 1930s it's kind of it's more in my wheelhouse than than dragons and talking hats and things like that okay so (laughs) that's why i like but by the end of the but the 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 way that the movie turns out and the way it ends up, I remember not liking at all. What do you mean, Dumbledore's death, or uh, just um, we'll we'll get there when we get there. Uh, okay. I feel I feel like oh yeah, this is the one where it's number six. Yeah, this is where I felt like fatigue was setting in with the people making these movies as well. Like in the way that okay. the script was written and the way the actors are performing, I was like. Everyone feels a little bit bored of this by now. I get that, you know, I get that sense of like, when we talked when, when we did A Cold Day in Hell of like, um, like shitting on people when they do exposition in the script. Yeah. Is a sign that everyone's bored of this by now. <laughs> and I got that sense a lot here. And I just didn't like some of the choices that they made character wise in it. Uh, but the first half of the movie, it was front loaded so well for me. Uh, yeah. That it... So that's I thought it was. I agree with that. I think it's front load. I, I, it was just a surprise to me 
because I think a lot of people think of it as one of the lesser movies. It was just a real surprise to me when I saw it on another viewing, mm. how much I enjoyed it, how much, I, how well I thought they adapted the book. Mm. I'll take you. I don't know. Me. I just, it, I thought it had a lot of what you said where it has darker shit, but uh, is still fun. Yeah. So, yeah, I just responded to it. Mm. Fair enough. What about your fifth? Goblet of Fire. All right. Me too. Okay. Um, and you know what? This is entirely on the strength of one scene. Oh, wow. I'll just leave that as a teaser. But Okay. I, I This would be right on the bottom if it wasn't for a single scene in the movie. <laughs> and I, Fine. Actually, um, I'm one and a half scenes because Jarvis Cocker has an original song in there, and I'm a huge fan of Jarvis Cocker. I really wish it wasn't this movie that he was in. I really wish he was in the Alfonso Cuaron one. Because uh, that, I mean, that was already perfect. But um, and this, this for Jarvis Cocker forced me to take this more seriously than I did. But I still don't think it's very good. God damn it! So now, with your last two left, you have the split movies. So do you like the second one better than the first one? Yes. Right? Yeah, it goes. All right. It goes part two and then part one for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm Order of the Phoenix and then part two. Right on the bottom? Yeah. That's interesting. So you, you're, a, you're a, I mean, for all your, you know, dismissal of my ultimately unsatisfactory jibe, you clearly feel a little bit that way too. <laughs> right? Well, but for me, this, these are, these were tough decisions. I think it was easier for you. Yeah, and again, you know, because I don't have this attachment to the series and the books and the the surrounding mythology, I can just focus on, you know, moments that I like, scenes that I like that that help. That's what helped me rank. So, you know, I'm thinking I'm trying to choose between the movie where they don't let John Hurt speak and the movie where they do, the movie where they let Warwick Davis act. And the one where they don't. You know, it's like, it's an easy decision when looked at in those terms. <laughs> Although John, we'll get there, but John Hurt looks like he came straight from the set of Crystal Skull. Right. Yeah. <laughs> what am I doing today? Okay. Memorized it. Let's roll well, the, the, and the funny thing, The funny thing for me, too, was I said that the, you know, two, three, four, and five were difficult for me to, to, to decide. What order? Yeah. But the last two were really hard as well. Because I went back and forth, like putting Deathly Hollows Part 2 at the bottom, or Chamber of Secrets, or not Chamber of Secrets, but Order of the Phoenix at the bottom as well. The f- yeah, I, to be honest, there there were some things in uh, Deathly Hollows Part 1 that I'd speak up for, but the, just the fact that the main chunk of the movie is... is unbearable for me because it's just the central trio which is what i've been i kind of been dreading would happen throughout watching you See, know, i had, love it had nightmares about that i have to take it down because of course then when you get into part two it's giving you a bunch of legacy you know like uh you know british national treasures kind of come at you straight away so 
it's almost like speaking to those people who are tired of seeing these kids try to act for an hour and a half or however long it is. I, you know, I, I greatly appreciate part one for all the reasons you don't like it, apparently. Yeah, that's <laughs> very know? clear. Uh, and that's fine. And if you're into those, if you're into those actors, and you're into what they do with the characters, then of course you're gonna think it's a better movie. Well, because uh, you know, I'm thinking of Stephen King has a great quote because he loves the Harry Potter series, and he he talks about Harry Potter compared to Twilight. Mm. Um, the quote is: "Harry Potter is all about confronting fears." finding inner strength, and doing what is right in the face of adversity. Twilight is about how important it is to have a boyfriend. So I disagree fundamentally. I'd, I would happily watch the Twilight movies over this any oh, day of the week. fucking fuck's Any sake. day of the week. I'm not going as far as say I'd read the books, but... <laughs> in- but all of that stuff about the confronting the fears and the inner strength and doing what's right in the face of adversity, it's about love, it's about friendship... And all of that is just so at play in that the first part of that Deathly Hollows. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, structurally you're correct. Okay. All right. Listen, we're running long, so good or bad. And I'll just plank I'll just put a blanket statement out. Yeah. Every single one of these movies are fucking great. No. Yes. You have lost your critical faculties, my friend. No. They're all good. How are we going to do this? And for so long. (laughs) I'm dealing dealing with a brainwashed cult member is what I'm dealing with. (laughs) Chance as we know it is dead. I got to get my wand. Chamber of Secrets. Good? Yes. Or bad? Good. Now we know Azkaban's good, right? Boy, do we know. All right. Goblet of Fire? Bad. Fuck you. <laughs> Order of the Phoenix? Good. All right. Half-Blood Prince? Uh, this was a borderline one for me, but given your previous statement, I'm going to say bad. I'm not. <laughs> I can't give you more than 50% good-bad on this one after what you just said. I was willing to. If you showed any kind... <laughs> Of restraint <laughs> and the ability to critique these films in any possible way, I would have given it to you. But no, there's a bad movie. How dare you? Despite the fact that it, it starts off like a Bond movie. The last two, bad, bad? Uh, yeah. Bad and worse. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know where you stand, I guess. Hey, look. For all I'm giving it shit, that's still three out of seven good, and I nearly went four out of seven. <laughs> right, that's true. So, you know, I'm not. I'm like not, I said, it's more than I could have hoped for. You're yeah, right. I'm not. I'm not being. I'm. You know, I'm not. Uh, You're certainly not being contrarian just for the sake of it. No, I'm trying to be as open-minded as possible. Yeah. Um. No matter how wrong you are. But you can't keep saying that if I'm if I've got three out of the <laughs> three out of the seven movies. 
two of which are should be counted as one god awful movie. Um, <laughs> and I was nearly willing to admit one more was good because and it because is. because Dumbledore's a bit like M at the beginning. <laughs> Don't you think Michael Gambon would have been an amazing? It could still happen. Would be an amazing M. Yeah, actually. When he was going around it. telling Harry to, you know, All keep right. an eye on this guy. Oh, I was like, anyway. Save it, save it, save it. That's it, everybody. We ran long for this. Uh, yeah, well, that's the series problem, not ours. <laughs> like the movies themselves, as far as I'm concerned, they can be as long as they want. I'll watch them all day long. And unlike this series, we're actually giving you value for money, even though I watched Mike's copy of it, so I didn't pay anything. <laughs> all right. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, I'm Mike Schantz from the How Dare You Awards. We're going to be seeing you soon or hearing you. Hearing you uh, you'll be hearing us soon for Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Say goodbye, Tom. I'm not allowed to use magic outside school. Very good, then. (laughs) I like to think I know something about beer, but nowadays even I get overwhelmed when confronted by the exhaustive selection of craft beers they have at bars, breweries, and even grocery stores. Back in the day you had one, maybe two craft beers to choose from, and if you were confused, you ordered a Guinness. But in beer stations like San Diego, the craft beer options lately are in double, sometimes even triple, digits. So what's a beer drinker to do? You need what I need, the Vegas Beer Guys. Your beer of choice should be a perfect blend of malt and hops. And so a live show about beer needs that same balance. And the Vegas Beer Guys matches beer expert Dan Aker with self-proclaimed beer novice Stephen J. Weiss. The results are eminently drinkable. They're on Facebook. They're on Instagram. They'll try new beers. They'll tell you about beers. Think of them as your beer sherpas guiding you up a foamy-headed mountain to reach the peak of your pint. God, I need a beer.